welcome, 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 podcast listeners. This is the second attempt at episode number 36. We had some internet issues last night, and we are finally getting to you today. This is the Fred Talk Podcast. I am your host, Budget Belkadrap. Also joined today by your another co-host, Mr. Matt Quine. Good evening. Hello. Good evening, Matt. How's things? Yeah, not too bad. Yourself? Ah, I mean, all things considered. All things considered, yeah, not too bad. Little bit of uh, pain this week. I may or may not have a broken (laughs) rib. But show must go on. So I, I mean, yeah, you could, and you de- you definitely do have a black eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, I've got to stop this bar brawling. It's terrible. <laughs> stop! All I'm going to say is stop going to work and punching children because some one day they're going to snap and they're going to punch you back. <laughs> punching children. Yeah. <laughs> It's always the way. Totally what you were doing. <laughs> yep. So, um, so what have you been up to this week, Matt? Uh, I've, we've said that I've been beaten. So, what have <laughs> you been up to? Um, I suppose we'll start with the thing that happened most far away ago. That's the greatest English that I've ever, ever <laughs> heardest. So, what you uh, did the okay, most, yeah. most far away ago, yes. So last Saturday, um, I gigged with my band. It was a private function for a public school's charity dinner. Okay. So um, there was a fairly big budget. Um, The company that I also sometimes work for that does sound and lighting were running in a PA system and all the stuff for us. So we were just bringing backline guitars um, and pedal board all everything else was provided so pa system all the mics and cables and monitors and stuff yeah the night before i ended up running in all of the microphones and monitors and cables and stuff because the guys who uh, were doing the pa system didn't know had not worked for us previously so didn't know what our lineup was and i said it was just easier if i kind of went in said right this is where everybody stands this is where everything needs to go ran it all in myself in the end because they were busy setting up all the stuff in the, the room. So I set everything up for everybody. Single-handedly. It says like you needed a cape at that night. <laughs> Super mad. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, I, I put in every single monitor. I yeah. put in the uh, cables for both sides from the amps. I then put in all of the microphones for singing, all of the microphones for guitar cabs, the DI for the bass, the all the microphones for the drums and stuff, all without none of it being there. So I, I spent a lot of time walking around going, there'll be this there, that there, <laughs> that there. <laughs> and then going, oh, crap, I've missed that. <laughs> going back. But, yeah, it was just easier than trying to tell tell the guys roughly where things would be and yeah. then turning up the following day and things being out of position. So I did that on the Friday night, and then on the Saturday we did the gig. Um, it was a really good, enjoyable gig. We were quite worried when we got there because we were on fairly early on in the night. So I think we were on from 8 till 10, and the event had only started at 7, so people weren't yeah. particularly drunk. And we're always worried yeah. when people aren't particularly drunk. They, they need to be in that but, sweet spot, don't they? Yeah. But people seemed to be because they were on the dance floor from about song, the second or third song in the set. And we played through the two hours and 
kept people on their feet most of the night. So yeah, get in. It was all good. Yeah, loving that. Uh, it was. It was. It was one of the positive gigs. You know, we we get a few where they're really slow starters or stuff. But yeah, yeah. it's a really great crowd. Really good night and a fairly decent payday as well. <laughs> Judging. I mean, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Not, yeah, it's all about the money, money, money. Yeah, not the adoration, not the uh, <laughs> not the the warm feeling that you get when you get people up and dancing. It's all about the green, that cold hard cash. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Stain school we joke, kids. But <laughs> we joke, but it's it's nice to you know be able to pay my it, like insurance for my guitars from like three gigs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Covering overheads is always uh, is always a bonus, isn't it? Yeah, when you're when you're breaking even or better in a year, it's a good year for <laughs> That's the guitar. When you, it's when you know you've made it, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, it was really, really good. Really enjoyed that. Um, and then immediately following the gig, I ripped the Marvel Drive off the board because I'm committed now to getting rid of it. Yeah. So the marble drive came off the board because I just I still couldn't get the sound that I wanted. R.I.P. Marvel Drive. So that will be going on the gear exchange at some point oh, um, when okay. I can remember to take a photo of it. I don't have um, money to buy it. Been, man. But I, I, it's been owned by such prestigious people as Christopher Wilson, <laughs> the guitar geek himself. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. So it's. It, I don't think there's a, a piece of gear out there that hasn't been owned by Chris Wilson, so that's not really a a badge of honour, is it? I mean, this this exact this exact pedal. Yeah. Was, it started out as Chris Wilson's, then it was then that, it was the Guitar Geek. I think they all have Matt. I think they all have. <laughs> oh well, that, 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 there goes my marketing spiel. How am I going to sell it now? <laughs> yeah, it, it's Marvel Drive Three, isn't it? It's you can say it's it's at least one better than Marvel Drive Two. There you go. Uh, I can't remember. Let's have a look at the box. It is... doesn't say. Oh, yeah, it's Marvel Drive 3. So I know your pedal better than you do. Apparently they did it in five colours. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's like white, purple, black. Or oh, uh, We don't care about the colour of pedals on this, uh, on this podcast. <laughs> we are very <laughs> anti-aesthetic, aren't we? I mean, we are. We're totally at... Aside from when I do neon pink pedals and I mean neon. they're amazing and draw and draw symbols on pedals. Yeah, symbols. <laughs> um, so yeah, what what have, what have you done the least most far away, Matt? <laughs> I had to kind of wrap my head around that sentence then. So the least most far away would be about five minutes before this cast or before this call starting. Yes. I went and picked up a vintage SG. Um, it's a cherry red vintage SG, set neck, gold hardware. Yeah. Looks amazing. From what I've played through a cheap practice amp, it plays all right. I've heard rumors that the pickups aren't great, but I'll, I'll try it through my Marshall Lee 12 tomorrow. Yeah. Um, see, see they're the Wilkinson pickups, aren't they? Yeah, um, I, I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard that they are quite good, um, yeah. and that they are bad. I've never heard that they are the best thing. Very good. Yeah. So there's well, always. I mean, uh, so basically, I saw this on a local classified. 
yeah. for seventy pounds. <laughs> seventy pounds. Now I've Seven never zero. seen anything apart from Squire strats and Encore strats for anything less than a hundred quid over here. Yeah, just because it's so hard to get yourself get your hands on anything over here that you know and people can charge a little bit more because yeah. they know that if you go to the UK, you've got to pay postage anyway. Yeah, there's a bit of a captive um, market. Yeah, very much so. But um, one of the guys I used to work behind the bar with was selling this um, for 70 quid. Um, some guy had said, if he still has it tomorrow, can he come and have a look at it? So um, when I messaged him, I was like, any chance I can come and have a look tonight? And he's like, yeah, fine. Um, and I went around and he's like, well, the, the other guy has said he'll give me the 70 that I'm asking for. So I turned up with 70 quid in cash and handed it over. And I bought it home. Now, you sneaky gentleman. I have said on the group chat because I was umming and ahhing about whether I should get it. And Moog had said that he was looking for an SG for a project. So I've said to Moog that yeah. I, 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 will, uh, I will box this up and send it to him. But I'm... I'm in two minds now because now I've played it, yeah. and I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have played it if Moog hadn't said that he was looking for a an SD copy as well. Because I would probably would have gone. I probably don't need it, but now I've played it, and <laughs> now I've played it. I, I, I it just feels like a high end squire to a mid range Mexican, yeah, sort of. Bendis in the like that's the kind of quality yeah, the, it feels. Yeah, the kind of price bracket. Yeah, it plays like a five to six hundred quid instrument. Is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and even if I had to not drop the pickups out, I've, at the moment I'm I could spend four hundred quid on pickups, and it would feel like the right I spent the right amount on it. I mean, you don't need to do that. We we already know, I know we already know the correct set of pickups that go in this. I've been banging on Demacio it. Demacio Super Distortions. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Um, um, no, for, for some one? people, Demacio Super Distortions are, are the right choice. But they are yeah, they no, are yeah. wrong. Um, so, yeah. Has Fletch put the blend set on sale yet? Yes, they, they're up on the, uh, on the website. And I believe um, there is a little sound demo as well. Um, I think I did a... Um, a little kind of demo review. Um, on on my YouTube last week, uh, and very sneakily, I spelt Fletcher pickups wrong. You did what? <laughs> How many times have you written that on the internet? Yeah, it's, it, when people ask about pickups. So if if you uh, if you slow it down enough to read it, it's Fleth Flethka pickups. Flethka. Flethka. Flethka pickups. Flethka pickups, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, and uh, I have a little bit of news r- regarding those those very Flethka pickups. The Flethka blends. Um, they may be very soon going into my Les Paul. <laughs> so, yes. I'm a They're very, just that good, are they? I'm, I'm a very excited chappy. Um, yeah. He's uh, he sorted me out with a with a rather stonking deal, so I thought, why not? I why not? I um, but yes. So I've agreed to sell this to or send this to Moog. So the plan at the moment still is to send it to Moog. Well, 
by the time this uh, this podcast comes out, we we know that you will have double crossed him, and you will be keeping that <laughs> guitar. So sorry, Moog. Um, it was it was good while it lasted. No, it's, it is an absolutely beautiful guitar. Um, I've made it no secret that I've got an absolute soft spot for the SG at the moment. It is very much my favorite. Is, is it soft? Are you sure? Are you are you sure it's not a raging hard spot? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's very much very much that. Yeah, so I I, I bought the uh, the Vox um, SG shapey thing uh, a couple of weeks back. And it's it's beautiful, um, but I, I I don't do anything by halves. When I when I got a uh, a soft spot for tellies, I now have got seven tellies, seven or eight. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've lost count. Seven uh, or eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't even know how many tellies you've got. <laughs> but I I love them all dearly. Um. So how yeah. How can you love them all if you don't even know how many you have? Ah. Uh, this it's like um uh the um mormons is it that they have like multiple wives don't they i'm sure they lose count as well yeah yeah totally <laughs> they collect them like <laughs> pokemon gotta catch them all mormon wives <laughs> uh, yep um, we've we've alienated that that very tiny <laughs> corner of our uh, listenership uh, that's the entire of salt lake city never listening to this podcast again indeed i, I went to salt lake city it was lovely um it was cold because i went to a mountainous region in salt lake city um but yeah it was it was wonderful um anyway this is not geography talk this is <laughs> fret talk where we talk about frets um so yeah uh, the SG is something that I've um, I've had a little um, I don't know uh, a soft spot for, um, yeah. and I just so happened to when I when I took my uh, guitar to Mister Fletcher, um, he handed me three um, three new to me guitars, one of which was an SG. Um, um, I'll, I'll talk about the, uh, the the pickups in that later. So one was a strut shape, and it's uh, Fletcher's take on the Seymour Duncan quarter pounder um, strut singles. So kind of quarter inch pole pieces, quite yeah. aggressive sounding, almost P ninety ish, and uh, yeah, they sound great. The guitar itself, by his admission, is a pile of crap. Um, it's made of parts that aren't very good parts. One of the parts was an encore. I think it was the an encore body. Um, so <laughs> it it's it's quite um, it's it's a bit like a, a yin yang experience because you the guitar makes you hate playing guitar. However, the pickups make you want to play guitar for the longest possible time. So it's. It's a bittersweet experience. Um, <laughs> one of the the other guitar is is a P ninety laden. Um, essentially, it's a slab of um, pallet wood. I think it's made out of like a couple of um, pallets glued together. It's vaguely <laughs> Telecaster shaped. 
Uh, it's got a Bixby on it. I'll, I'm sure I've shared it on my uh, channel before because I, I did have it for a, a short period of time. Um, I vaguely remember you talking about this when I got the the Gretsch because you said you'd been obsessed with the Bixby as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've got that one back. Um, essentially, the uh, the switch ended up dying when I had it. It was nothing to do with me. Don't don't look at me for about it. I, it it just happened. Um, which meant that did it, it just happen, or did you mess with the electronics? <laughs> I, I I imagine because it's I've got a, a a corner of guitars. Um, I, I imagine just the weight of like all of those guitars were pressing upon this switch. Um, who knows? Um, but anyway, he fixed that, which was cool. So now I can select the neck pickup on that guitar, and yep, it's it's good. Um. But this SG, this SG, um, so it's, it's a black SG, so it's kind of um, Angus Young inspiring to look at. Um, when I was playing it, <laughs> the only thing I could coax out of it was Clapton, because huge cl- cream fan anyway, and I just, it kind of, it sends me back to those um, those early cream records. Um <sighs> However, Ooh, I love I love the early cream stuff. I do, yeah. Um, I, I all of cream. I, I think I, a, a couple of years back, uh, it was quite a few years back now actually. Um, I, I got on like a big cream kick, um, and I, I bought Desiree gears and thought, "Wow, this is awesome!" So then I ended up buying all of the albums, um, just all in one go, and it was it was a glorious, glorious event. Um, and I'm still to this day still in Clapton Licks because they're great. Um, so yeah, the, the pickups in this SG, um, there was a reason why you put these pickups into an SG because they are, and I think he described them as being the most childish pickups that he makes, <laughs> uh, which I thought was So brilliant. he gave it to the most childish man that he knows. Yeah, exactly. He thought, well... Who draws penises on enclosures? Uh, yep, <laughs> that's the guy for me. Um, so, bridge pickup is a, I believe he calls it a neo hell, um, named such because of the neodymium magnet in it, which makes it ridiculously nice. high output. It's so high output you <laughs> can up like twenty k. Uh, I think it's, it's yeah, I think it might be over that. It's so high that I'm sure that if you put your ear to it, you can hear it humming. Going, hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I'm sure it creates its own electricity. Nice, nice. I, I yeah, <laughs> it's, no. it's not something that I would personally choose, but yeah, that sounds like it's gonna yeah. punch you in the face. Yeah, well, strangely enough, his um his description of it on his website says like being punched in the ear. Um. And there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the the neck pickup is uh, another ridiculously high output thing. I think it might be an Alnico eight. Um, but yeah, so the, these two pickups are designed to be just ridiculous, childish fun, and that they do. That they do. However, <laughs> uh, like I did mention, I I was playing Clapton stuff on it and. Clapton, as you are aware, 
did not use ridiculous amounts of gain. He was not uh, gentastic. He was not. Are you sure he didn't use some ENGs in the eighties? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he used lace sensors. They look EMG, but they're not. They don't sound it though. <laughs> no, they don't. They sound smooth and creamy and, and gorgeous. Uh, in fact, some people some people um, have a little bit of disdain for the the lace sensors, but I've never understood it. They sound good, and they uh, they completely book the single coil horn as well. Um, so yeah. yeah, Adam Yeomans from like two weeks ago. Um, he's got a, a Stratocaster, a, a Squire Strat that's got lace sensors in it, and it's one of the greatest sounding instruments I've ever heard. So. Bonus. Um, I think the yeah. the thing with that is because he's playing it, and he's awfully good, awfully awfully good. Um, but yeah, so childish pickups. Um, these ridiculously high output pickups, because they're not ceramic magnets, they're actually really dynamic. the The pick response with them is really dynamic. Um. And by just coaxing the uh, the volume and tone controls a little bit, you can you can tease out these, um, like I say, Clapton-esque tones. Um, That's re- really quite something from something that you, it's, like you say, is so high out, but you just think it does metal and nothing else. Yeah, you think it just so it just shouts it, yeah, but it doesn't. Yeah, but for them to have dynamics of, of some sort by Whatever you do, whether you, I take it, it's either you're picking dynamics or tweaking the tone controls and volume controls a little bit. Yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, it it almost um, encourages both both approaches. So it's nice. It's absolutely amazing in that in that sense. Um, they are a little bit too ridiculous at the at the higher end for me to consider them <laughs> for my uses. Um, however. Um, if you are a metal player, um, and who who of us doesn't play metal from from time to time? Um, these these don't just do the one trick pony pony thing that EMGs do. Um, well, that I've experienced EMGs do um, because my uh, my fabled Les Paul standard, the Gibson Les Paul standard. <laughs> when I first had that guitar, it had a set of EMGs in it. And at the time, I was using a um, spider uh, spider valve, so line six spider valve combo. Um, <laughs> I know I, I hung on the spider bit a little too long there. I, I almost heard the listeners turning the episode off there. Um, this e- was EMGs into a spider valve. <laughs> well, I, I, the way I had it, had my amp set, I had four channels. As you do, you've got A, B, C, D channels. Um, not one, two, three, four, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> um, and I had, four, three, two, one. Yeah, four, yeah, yeah, one, four, three, <laughs> six. Uh, I don't know. Um, I know, that's, that's the new Hotone um, switcher. It's just going to have random numbers. One, 47, three, 12. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the the Matt Quine. Is it helping you pick your lottery numbers? <laughs> That's it. The Matt Quine signature. <laughs> It'd be brilliant. 
Um, so I had I had this uh, this four channel um, switching. I had clean, um, and my clean was kind of clean with a, just a tiny little bit of drive, just to put a bit of hair onto it to thicken it up a bit. Then I had crunch. Then I had kind of rock, and then I had loud rock. Um, <laughs> and through the clean channel, it was a full on gain channel. Because that that <laughs> tiny little bit of hair on the uh, on the edge of the the notes turned into yep that's a crunch channel now. So whenever <laughs> I plugged those EMGs in, I didn't have a clean channel. Um, Who needs a clean channel? Apparently not me. <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't long before I uh, I took those pickups out and replaced them with sensible yeah. things. Like a Demasio Super Distortion. Way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I happen to have a set of a Demasio Super Distortion and an Air Norton kicking about. Um, and I put those into that. And although they were a little bit more dynamic, they were still pushing the front end <laughs> of the amp. So I, I didn't like Yes, I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, have you ever... Did a, have you ever kind of ventured into the land of active or really loud shouty pickups, Matt? So the first guitar I ever did any modding on at all mm-hmm. was a Yamaha RG612A. Now, I couldn't tell you what 612A means, but basically it's an RG series. Um, and that had active EMGs in it. It was a HSH. Uh-huh. Active EMGs. I don't know what model EMGs they were. They were just black EMG pickups. <laughs> yep, cool. I'd imagine um, that'd be the um, um, the EMG selects if it was a relatively kind of mid range um, Yamaha. But yeah, so uh, that was my first um, sort of foray into playing something a little bit different. At the time, I basically had. A Squire Strat, I had a Yamaha Pacifica, and yeah. then I had this Yamaha RG. <laughs> so you had like um, nice classic tones, nice classic tones in your face. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I couldn't get over that I had to keep changing the battery every month or so. Yeah. Because um, it likes to chew, they like to chew batteries. Um, yeah. So I decided that I was going to take the the powered pickups out and replace it. And I still have the pickups. I still okay. have the guitar, but the guitar has no pickups. And this <laughs> is going back eight years. So I do have four taking guitars apart and leaving them. Just went eight years down the line, yeah. and the guitar still has no pickups. So yeah, you decided. Oh, these pickups are not for me. I'll take those out, but not actually replace them with any pickups. Oh god! No, no, the body is still sat there, and the neck is sat there, and the empty cavities, (laughs) basically, because I just pulled everything out because it was all connected. The guitar is full of emptiness, (laughs) like your promises to the guitar. Well, the guy who had had it before me had modded it as well. So instead of it having a five-way select switch, yeah, it had three on and offs, one for each of the pickups. Okay. 
and then it had three three other knobs that did like in phase and out of phase and I had no idea what the guy was talking about when he sold me the guitar I just know that he was selling it stupidly cheap because he tried to do a relic job on it and done a really bad job that's that's the common common foil of the modern guitarist isn't it yeah but um, yeah so it was a really weird pickup selection thingy and I just couldn't get my head around it so I just unscrewed everything pulled the entire circuit out Gut, literally gutted the thing having its yep, innards yep. in your hands going <laughs> yeah and all of those innards are in a, a clear plastic bag but <laughs> I've not done anything with them since I think uh, yeah it's it's a good job that you've decided to uh, to sell this <laughs> um, this SG onto uh, <laughs> Moog isn't it I've gotten better since then I I, with my Squire Strat, my Squire Pink Sparkle Strat, it only took me taking the pickups out to get the new pickups in it. Yeah, um, tell me about that Telecaster that you've got, Matt. <laughs> that was only like five months ago I took that apart. So we're, we're <laughs> you know, in, if, I, if I get it done this weekend, we'll be... Yeah, in eight years' time, I'm going to come back to you on that one. <laughs> going to go, yeah, yeah. still haven't um, sanded it down, mate. But yeah, that's the only guitar with high output pickup. Bringing it back to where we should be, uh, rather yeah. than laughing at me. Um, the only guitar with high output pickups I've owned. However, Mr. Burrows, that we talk about fairly often, has a Telecaster with the Billy Gibbons Tele pickup that's got 28k output. Okay. Uh, and that pickup is amazing. If you want to get a heavy blue sound out of a Telecaster, that's the pickup you need. It's it's it, it's so in your face, it's unreal. I think it's 28.5k, the output of it. That is... Um, uh, that's dangerous. And that's yeah, even... it's just... That's, I, I did pull an article up on it, but yeah, 28.5k, and it's just something totally different. Steve says he uses it every now and again to go to like Blues Open mics. And he'll bring the telly out and everyone looks at him like he's a weirdo bringing a Telecaster to a, yeah. to a blues night. And then he plugs it in and plays, you know, whatever he wants. And yeah. people go, how is he getting Les Paul sounds out of a telly? <laughs> That's it, by pushing the crap out of the front end of that telly pickup. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that I think that's the best high output pickup I've ever tried because you can wind it back and get some like you say more dynamic tones by just winding your your volume back a little bit but yeah 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 I other mean, than that i've i've tried um the, i've had i've got a mate who's got a guitar with this might super distortion in it yeah i hated it i'm sorry but it's just i i really didn't like it yeah it's not for me yeah i mean i ended up getting rid of uh rid of my super distortion after i i had it in probably about three years because I couldn't be asked to change it um <laughs> but it was it was that kind of that nasal compressed sound uh where it does the kind of upper mid range is it's really present but it's really compressed as well so it's great for metal yeah um yeah. or to drive a, an amp really hard um but it it only does that it doesn't do a great deal yeah else. you 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 couldn't use it in a function band. <laughs> no, unless the yeah, unless the function band only played Metallica um, covers. 
Um, I mean, I've tried to get the Function brand to play some Metallica covers, but they keep rejecting it. I wonder why. I, um, I mean, me and the me and the drummer, because uh, he's got a, a desk pad, we often do the intros for to, for whom the bell tolls, but nobody else joins in. I mean, I will I will openly admit that for whom the bell tolls is an absolute tune, absolute tune. Oh, while it we're is, talking about a, tunes as well. Um, on last week's podcast, I uh, mentioned a song by Halloween. I gave the wrong title to did. that song. It was what not Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. Ingve uh, Malmsteen did the uh, the version of Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. Um, it was uh, Lay All Your Love On Me by ABBA that um, right, okay. Halloween did. So check that out. Check out the Ingve Malmsteen <laughs> cover of, um, of Gimme, Gimme, Gimme as well. Also, check and out... Check out... Yeah, sorry, yeah. Uh, I was going to say check out Ingve's version of um, Dream On with Ronnie James Dio as well. Ooh, I might actually have to check that out. I hate Ingve, but that's a song and a half. That yes, yes, it is. Yes. Um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, I was going to say um, check out. Is it Careless Whisper by Seether? <laughs> oh dear, God. no one wants to hear that. I, I might actually do. Oh, it. I forgot. I forgot to. Yeah, put put a link, put a YouTube link in the um, in the podcast group, and I will listen to it. Um, but only if you do most of the legwork first. I, I will do all of the legwork. I will even tag you in the post that I put on the on the Fret Talk podcast group. Yeah, no, wicked. <laughs> I, I will listen to it then through <laughs> through gritted teeth. I will listen to it. Um, <laughs> so moving on anyway, um, because silly pickups are silly. Um, I finally got off my arse and um, finished a project that I've been doing for a while now. Haven't I? Well, kind of. I finished <laughs> part of the project. Um, I had um, somewhat of Schrodinger's uh, Schrodinger's circuit, where I'd uh, populated a circuit board um, and then left it. Um. Because I, I've mentioned, I was mentioning this to Matt in the the preamble, but like my electronics workstation, Moog, this one's for you. Uh, my electronics workstation <laughs> is is a mobile one, uh, and I have to pack it up and 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 uh, repack it every time I use it. So it it means that it's a giant pain in the uh, pain in the ass. Um, so that pack up and pack down is enough for me to not want to start doing things um so yeah i finally got some motivation and a little bit of time so i thought i'll, I'll wire this this fuzz pedal up uh, that i've been talking about for a while it's based on the uh acapulco gold um is it an earthquake one i don't know it's by someone um i don't know and it's, i've heard of it but i don't know who it is yeah i think it might be earthquake who knows? It's a, it's got one one giant knob on the uh, on the actual pedal, um, and this this version of it is basically like that but cranked, so it's like all all of the all of the gain on it, um, and it then becomes like a fuzz pedal, um, and it sounded bloody amazing, just really glitchy and just broken, which is what I want fuzz to sound like. Um, yeah, I don't want fuzz to be this subtle, subtle fuzz sound. Um, 
I don't want it where you can hear chords through it. Is there any such thing as a subtle fuzz, really? I mean, aren't they just odd distortions? To me, fuzz is unintelligible once you get past two note chords. (laughs) I've got um, uh, a Moore um, Grey phase, I think it's called, so um, based around a vintage fuzz phase. Uh, and that's quite right, low okay. gain. Really? Yeah. It's, it's. What's the point in that? It's got like a grittiness to it. I think you're supposed to have it through a dimed amp to to add that fuzzy overtone. Right. Okay. Um, it's fine, but it's not my go-to. Um, no. Whereas this this Acapulco Gold, uh, which I will be. Uh, uh, I've not I've not named it yet, but it's going to be something absolutely filthy, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it has to be something absolutely filthy. Yeah, I don't do like subtle naming. Uh, there's probably going to be a picture of a penis or some balls, or I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I can't wait for your big moth clone. That's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the cavernous vagina. <laughs> Oh dear, yeah. <laughs> I am immensely childish. So that that um that little segment about electronics was uh was dedicated to Moog because I know he likes his shout outs. Uh, I mean he's getting a lot of shout outs in today's one, isn't he? He is, yeah, yeah. Today's podcast sponsored by Moog. Um and his uh his project Rapscallion. Um there's some stuff happening over there, so check it out. Um I've heard a couple of his tunes and they're wicked. Really like Queen Darknessy meets like old English gentleman. Brilliant. <laughs> all of the yeah. all of the things that you'd love to put into a cooking pot. Um, but anyway, this week on our podcast, um, our podcast group, I um, shared a bit of love for a, a legendary guitarist. Um, so basically the story was um i was uh, i was driving to work at the time um and for whatever reason i was, I was listening to, maybe like listening to a podcast um and my attention veered off somewhat um and i had uh, need your love so bad uh, by fleetwood mac stuck in my head so i thought you know what i'm gonna listen to it i was stuck in traffic anyway so i thought plonk it on youtube get it playing through my um car speaker system uh and the way that youtube works i I don't even think i need to explain this to you but it does an autoplay so it'll play related stuff afterwards and it just sent me down a a peter green rabbit hole um and by the time i got to work i just thought oh my god why am i not listening to more peter green this is just it's so good (laughs) it's so so good um, but we unearthed a little fact, didn't we, Matt? And what was that fact? Um, that fact was I didn't know much about Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. Heresy. Um, and, when I, and when I say I didn't know much about Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac, I listened to about four albums this week. And I think I recognised three of the songs. Yeah. So I recognised the one that you've just mentioned, Need Your Love So Bad. Um, I recognised Black Magic Woman. 
Yeah. Um, and I recognised Albatross. Oh, Albert Ross, yeah. Which is possibly my favourite instrumental track of all time. It's a beautiful, beautiful composition. Um, I wouldn't even call it a song. It's just amazing. Unfortunately, it reminds me of Marks and Spencers now. Um, because they run an ad <laughs> campaign with, with that and them saying how their food is like porn, essentially. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it it kind of does for me, but I can I can take that out of my mind and just listen to the music, and it is just yeah. a beautiful. It's nice and chilled, isn't it? It's, it's not about showing off. It's about it's about the kind of melody to it. Um, it is. I'll, I have a, a a bit of a an odd story about albatross. Um, I had a friend in college who happened to be, um, if you think about like, um, Doc Brown from the, um, from the Back to the Future trilogy, like mad genius. If you think of like the musical equivalent of that, this was that guy. Um, he, uh, he played something like 14 gauge strings. He had to, um, come up with his own gauge of string because he couldn't he couldn't find a set that was thick enough. Um, and his low E ended up being like like technically a bass string. Um, so he, Ew. yeah, he must have had fingers like biceps. Um, he also the his preferred plectrum of choice at the time. He used to carve up coconut shells. Um, and and they literally have like about four mil thick um, coconut plectrums, um, and he he gave me one uh, the one day, and it was amazing. I completely understood why he'd do it. Um, he could play almost anything that you wanted him to play. He was quite a fond uh, fond fan of gypsy jazz, um, which I'd never heard of at the time, and he got me into a little bit of Django, which brilliant. Um, anyway, right, okay. swinging back round to Albert Ross. Um, <laughs> he he did an entire cover of that song on his own um, using reel-to-reel tape. He played the bass on a guitar and then slowed the tape down. Um, and he played the drums using an old washing machine by banging on the side of it. And it was an absolutely... <laughs> It was a, a wicked representation of Albatross. That's that sounds amazing. Yeah, that um, actually sounds amazing. Uh, knowing the guy, the uh, the file will probably exist on on the internet somewhere, um, but it'll be just lost because he he just makes music, puts it out there, and lets people enjoy it. He's a he's a mad scientist of music. He's <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah. That's uh, that's my story of of albatross. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, Peter Green. Uh, how is it that you've? I mean, he's he, he's pretty good, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things that I said on the um, on the group is that, like, by today's standards, his technicality and his um, like like the the, the mechanical ability of him wasn't anything um too flashy 
I mean, it was impressive, but it, it weren't flashy. I mean, even by people of the time, like uh, Clapton would, would probably play things that are more technical. Um, however, the the feel behind it, just the note choices and the musicality behind his music was just, it was unrivaled, I, I would I would argue. Yeah, he, he certainly knows exactly how hard to pick the note. He knows exactly how much to just bend or slightly use a tiny bit of a bit of bit of vibrato just to eke out just as much as that note needed to be before moving on to the next one. It was just like you say, it's it's nothing technically amazing, but it's the mo- one of the most soulful players that I've come across. Yeah. Um, exactly. Just he he's just you can tell exactly what he was feeling when he played that song at that time. Oh, definitely. And I think one of the, one of the most important elements of Peter Green, you, you mentioned there and it just, it, it like rung alarm bells to me that that is exactly what it is. It's the dynamics of his playing. He goes from like whisper quiet to like really digging in and you don't get that. You don't get someone using, all of that dynamic range. Um, no, not not very often. And like I say, um, I, and as I've spoken about fairly recently, I, music for me is all about portraying emotions, and he is clearly a king at doing that. He, he like I say, you, you just know exactly how he was feeling yeah, whenever yeah. whenever he was recording those tracks. And I've seen, I, I heard a couple of live albums as well. There was a couple of early live recordings of Fleetwood Mac that were on. I want to say I can't even remember whether on YouTube or Amazon Prime Music or where wherever I was listening to mm-hmm. or list stuff and found some early recordings of them. And again, it it was a totally different take on exactly the same song when it got to the solo. It was just a a different take on the same thing, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I'd um also like to touch upon with with Peter Green um is that iconic um, middle position sound. Um, I mean, because Peter Green, like I say, I mean, I'd, I'd almost all but forgotten about him um, until I had this kind of revival last week. Um, and there, there were loads of people growing up not knowing Peter Green, um, which is a, a crying shame. Um, yeah. However, that that middle position out of phase sound is something that's still mentioned today, and I mean it's it's mentioned uh, like pickup manufacturers are, are all striving to get that that um, that greeny greeny more um, Les Paul sound. Um, so even even though the music may not um, may not be um, listened to by uh, by the the generation now, that iconic tone is still it's enduring. Yeah, it's it's just it's unique. It's not. It doesn't sound like anybody else's Les Paul, does it? Like you think of a Les Paul, and that's not the sound you think of. Yeah, but then you think of somebody says fifty nine Les Paul, you immediately think of the. The Greeny Moore Hammett guitar, 
<laughs> I don't think it's ever going to be referred to as the hammock guitar, is it? It's always going to be green anymore. He played it live at Glastonbury, but um, he, he can yeah, play it live wherever he wants. Hammock. It's. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, no, yeah, it, it is going to be the the Greeny Moore, and that out of phase sound suddenly pops in your head, and you just remember how distinctive it is. It's totally different, and it's. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think it's a tone that I personally would use very often. No, it's got. It, but I can see why people. Yes, yeah, would, it's, would it's want strange, to try and aspire to get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. It, it definitely is. It's it's an iconic sound. I think, I th- I don't know a hundred percent, but I think um, the Les Paul that Adam um, Adam Yeomans has bought, um, I believe he's he's bought some Fletcher pickups that have that out of face sound in the middle position. Nice. Uh, so he's nice. he's chasing that tone. Um, I don't know. I've, I've not. Um, the, the the guitar will be back this weekend, I believe. So I'll get to hear it very soon. Um, but yeah, I, th- yeah. I believe he's got that that Peter Green sound. And that's that's cool because that that sound, like I say, it, it not something that I think I would be at all. Yeah, I, it would take me time to work out where I'd be able to use it, but it is one of those iconic sounds, and it. I'm sure if you've got, if you've got an idea of where you're going to be using it, that'd be yeah. Uh, a great sound for it to have for your guitar. Yeah. Um, and w- while we're on the, uh, the, the topic of iconic, um, guitarists, you'd posted up a question in our group, uh, earlier this week about the, the most underrated guitarist of all time. Um, so with a, apart, apart from Peter Green, uh, was there anyone else that you, you had in mind for that one? Um, when I initially posted the question, the first person that I would answer it with in my mind was Prince, because whilst everybody raves over his songwriting ability, yeah. until he had never really seen him play anything other than Purple Rain with a guitar solo in it. Yeah. And then when he when he died, there was all these videos popping up. There's that one where he's on the stage with Tom Petty and he does um, oh, yeah. while my guitar well, yeah, gently yeah. weeps. And Jesus Christ, is he a phenomenal guitarist? And I I'd never seen I'd seen him basically do the solo to the end of Purple Rain live a couple of times, and yeah, you know, it, it's it's great, but it's you know just a bit of a solo and over a ballad. But the way he can play the guitar is phenomenal. And oh, I yeah. didn't know anything about him as a guitarist at all. I'd never. Like I say, didn't know he was a, a decent guitarist. I actually thought Purple Rain, he wasn't the guy that was playing the lead. I thought he was playing rhythm and somebody else was playing lead. Yeah. No, no, he very much uh, very much took centre stage for that, that entire song, didn't he? Um, yeah, and he does it really well. Indeed, yeah. It's a great tune, actually, that that song. Um, but there's there's some um, some great Prince tunes that have got a little bit of tasty because he's not really kind of um, funk inspired at some points as well. Some really kind of funky yeah. lines, um, which makes for just, it's like ear candy that when you're listening to the tune, it might not be the first thing that pops out. Um, but if you listen again and again and again, you might just one time pick up on this, this cool little 
funk riff that's going on in the background or or just a, a nice little bit of lead that you missed and it's just those yeah. little, little bits of ear candy that make you keep coming back to some of those tunes uh yeah yeah i mean it's just just fantastic and I, like i say he's not somebody that i've ever like you speak to other guitarists and they all talk about clapton and hendrix and satana and you know all of these these big names but nobody's ever mentioned or you know, I, I wish I had. I wish I had the ability of Prince. Yeah, that's not something that anybody had ever said to me. But I, he'd be in my top, probably in my top five guitarists. Having gone on and fallen down that rabbit hole of YouTube, where you click on a video and then you see another one, and you click on that, and then you see another one, and you click on that. Yeah, and yeah, Prince is just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, if if there was anything that I would I'd take from Prince, it's. Um, his almost superhuman ability to wear purple velvet. Um, I'd, I'd love that ability. I'm sure I'd look like an absolute tit in, in a flancy purple, purple velvet, velvet suit. suit. Yeah. But hey-ho. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it'd suit me either. No. I mean, I'd take his guitar ability as well, but mainly the purple velvet. Um yeah, I mean, there, there was a couple of guitarists that sprung to mind for me. Um, one which I think we we both had a chat about before the um, before the show started. And I think I'll let you I'll let you have that one because he's a uh, he's a bit of a ledge. Um, but one that I uh, I mentioned um, was a bloke called Stan Webb of a band called Chicken Shack. Um, yeah. Who I have no idea who he is. Yeah, um, so I will be checking this out after the cast. Yeah, I mean, I would suggest because um, the the uh, the album that got me turned on to to Stan Webb's Chicken Shack was, I believe it's an album called Poor Boy, uh, and the title track from the album's Wicked, but it's just full of absolute bangers, and it's almost kind of um, almost cream era um, Clapton stuff. Um, like really kind of long, uh, long and winding songs that take you through like really epic jam sessions. Um, and yeah, he's a he's a guy. He's a I believe he's British. Um, and he just didn't quite hit the um, hit the level of fame as some of these other uh, British musicians. Um, and he's a real like a real unsung hero. And every so often, I'll put on that. Um, that Poor Boy album. Um, oh, so it's not Poor Boys. It's called Imagination Imagination Lady or Imagination Land or something like that. Um, but Imagination Land is a South Park episode. I doubt it's that. <laughs> it might be Imagination Lady. Then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's the like um, the track Poor Boys is the big the big track on this uh, this album. Um, and it's just, it's absolutely wicked. It's just like raw British blues. Um, and like his voice as well, it's wicked. So I'd, I'd very much, um, if you want a little bit of a gem, check that album out. Um, yeah. But there's one that we both, we almost came out with simultaneously when we were talking about this before the cast went on the map. There was, there was a, a little new man called Rory Gallagher who Rory is Gallagher. just absolutely phenomenal now this is somebody that is not for, for me he's more well known than peter green and I'm, that may not be the case um for for a lot of people 
I mean, yeah, I mean, you you see, uh, Fender still have like stuff about him. I think they they did a a Rory Gallagher strat at some point. Um, yeah. So it's it's not like he's unheard of, but he's um, he doesn't get the recognition as as like you say Clapton or Hendrix. So, I mean, you could you could listen to like Radio One and and maybe at some point in the day hear a hear a Clapton tune or hear a Hendrix tune or whatever but you'd never you'd never hear of a Rory Gallagher tune no not at all and he's somebody that I actually found out about um whilst watching one of my personal guitar heroes that not many people will know of he's a guy called Davey Knowles he was in a band called Black Door Slam over here he's a he's he's a Manx fella so um he's he was around till he was about 18 on the Isle of Man uh-huh. His first band got signed, and they flew out and toured with Kid Rock in the states. Oh, nice! Um, yeah. So he went out there with a couple of lads from the Isle of Man as his band. That they were David Knowles and Backdoor Slam. Um, that album was two thousand and seven, I want to say. Um, but that um, he he certainly was kind of a, a big reason why I picked up the guitar. I went and see, saw them live yeah. three or four times, and. Um, Thing that he always used to talk about when he was doing his live performances over here was he he, he would always play two or three Rory Gallagher tracks. He would always talk about his guitar influence. He'd talk about Hendrix. He'd talk about Clapton, and he'd talk about Rory Gallagher. Yeah. He would always say Gallagher was his favorite guitarist. Yeah. So I I was somebody who who has listened to Rory Gallagher on and off for about ten years now. Yeah. Huh. And his stuff is just so different. So good, yeah. I, I I can't describe it. He he's just something that's totally different from what you'd expect from a guitarist that everybody is enjoying, but just so good. Yeah, there's a lot. I don't of, know how to describe it. A lot of raw kind of energy with um with Rory Gallagher. I think he's he's one of the first um first guitarists I ever heard that did a pinched harmonic. Um. And it's uh, it's in the the song um, "What's Going On" uh, from his his time with Taste, um, and and in the solo you can you can hear him kind of digging in and get that, and then it starts just hitting hitting a subtle harmonic, um, and I that entire song uh, I heard it when I was when I was kind of in my formative guitar years. Um, and just the riff itself was immense and and confused the living shit out of me um and i was trying to like trying to figure out how how the hell he was doing this like massive rapid like uh rapid trilling riff um and then it got to the solo and i was just my mind was blown and i'm like i'm never learning that because it's just <laughs> like it's it's mastery yeah, um, it's something that I will never get to. Like, I would class myself as a fairly good guitarist, but there's no yeah. way I'd try and learn any anything by Rory Gallagher in any anywhere near the set. Like, I'd do a Rory Gallagher track. Yeah, but, you know, it would be the the backing chords would be the same, and I would do my interpretation, which would never be anywhere near as good as his, because I he's just got techniques that I can't even comprehend. Yeah, I mean. I'm probably about uh, probably about 13 years deep into my guitar 
journey and I'd like to say I could do what's going on about 80% right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm never going to get it 100% because it's the the last 10% is all Rory. It's just entirely yeah. that guy and his mad corrosive sweat, apparently. Um, <laughs> and he's just like... Feel for him. Love yeah. It. yeah. I mean, that, that kind of segues onto something we, we're going to talk about um, ooh, later, next week. I don't know. We'll, we'll do it a bit later. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, um, he's just like, he, at some points he was like a bull in a china shop and it was like he had so many notes within him that he was just trying to get them out and it, he was like physically pushing them out of him. It was so aggressive. and um, But then there's some like, really soulful and tasty blues that he does as well yeah so. yeah he's he's just a an absolutely phenomenal guitarist and anybody who hasn't checked out all of his stuff just go and check out spend a day trawling through youtube watch him live because the the passion he puts into playing live is just absolutely phenomenal yeah completely bang on um and I think we're gonna we're, we're gonna move on to a, another kind of under, kind of underrated guitarist, but um, one who's cropped up in the uh, in in the guitar press news very very recently today. In fact, uh, that guitarist is a man called Vivian Campbell, um, and today has been released uh, by Gibson Gibson Custom Shop um, a Vivian Campbell signature Les Paul custom. Um, so, um, I know at the, at the start of this cast, you were, you were unsure of who Vivian Campbell was, weren't you, Matt? I had absolutely no idea who he was. I'd never heard of him before. You actually initially said Vivian Westwood and I went along with it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. And I was searching Gibson's website for a Vivian Westwood guitar and not getting anything, surprisingly enough. Yeah, getting loads of shoes and handbags. Um... (laughs) Oh yes, I'm a massive man bastard. Um, but hey ho. Um, so yeah, Vivian Campbell, um, famous for being Dio's guitarist for a while, and I actually saw him uh, perform with Death uh, Death Leopard, um, probably about five years ago now. Um, I didn't know he was going to be there, but hey ho. Um, yeah, they they carted him out, and he was he was on stage i think he was playing like a mirror effect les paul at the time um so yeah after like almost three decades of musical career um in fact probably more than that now um they're deciding to give him a a signature les paul you've got a couple of the specs haven't you matt i have two seconds i was just googling him to check it wasn't the guy that i saw in white snake but he was in white snake but in a different era yeah he was um, doug aldrich is um your white snake man, isn't he? Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten. I just I'd seen it in the the spec that I was reading um, about him. Okay, uh, so it it yeah, it just me- mentions here on the uh, website that I've got the specs on. It just says that um, he's rocks and riff with some of the best, and it includes Dio, Def Leppard, and White Snake. So oh, right, just okay. prompted in the back of my mind. I've seen White Snake live. I wonder if it's the same guy, but yeah. Um, so the specs on the body are um it's a sl- sl- 
slightly different construction. So instead of your normal way that uh, Gibson do their necks, this is a five-piece long tenon join rather than the, the standard short tenon neck. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different. Um, Gibson, he wants more sustain. I'm guessing that's sure what they're going to say. Sure. Um, it's, a, it's a maple and walnut neck as well. So again, slightly different. Okay. So it tastes um, delicious. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so it's a 70 profile neck. Um, the entire guitar is all satin finish. Okay. Reversed with a flame maple cap. It's a what burst? So Sorry. I quite... Silver burst, is it? No, I th- uh, they, they're calling it something else. Yeah, they are. Um, Antrim basalt burst. Yeah, it's silver burst. Yeah, it's something to do with the because um, he's he's from Northern Ireland. Um, I don't know exactly where, but it, there's a, a a volcanic region around there, um, which was yeah. um, uh, responsible for the Giants Causeway. Um, yeah. And With all the hexagonal thingies. Yeah, and I think the um, the colour is a, a tribute to the, the volcanic rock around there. Um, yeah, so they're calling it Antrim, uh, which I guess is the, the county basalt burst. Yeah. But it's, it's basically a slightly darker silver burst. Yeah, yeah. If you ask me. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's the, the finish. Um, and it's got a pair of DiMarzio humbuckers in it. It's got a Super Distortion and a Super 3. Yeah. Which are, obviously, we talked about the Super Distortion a little bit earlier. Quite yeah. high output pickups. I believe um, the, uh, the Super, the, the SH3s, even higher output as well. So why is that in the neck, then? I have a neck clue, mate. Thought you, thought you, I thought you always went with the higher output one in the bridge, or is that just a, a thing that I think that is not actually right? No, no, no. It's It's common practice to do so. It is common practice. Okay. Yeah, and then it just says that there's the the hardware is your standard chrome stuff. It's rubbed, rubbed yeah. and brushed hardware. Yes, yeah. So that it gives yeah that satin feel again. Uh, yeah, uh, I I watched the product video on this, and he said that um, the 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 neck profile was um, based on his um, his gold top that he used for. Um, for the entire Holy Diver um, record with Dio. Um he used right, it for, okay. for a lot of his career because it's it's the guitar that he learnt to play on apparently. Um, so he learnt to play on a gold top. He did, yes. I wish I'd learnt to play on a gold top. <laughs> well, you were Vivian Campbell. <laughs> they were different times back then. Yeah, different times, man. Different times. <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah, he so, probably spent as much on his gold top as I did on my buddy Ibanez G10. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if only, man, if only. Um, <laughs> I don't know. With the way that Gibson's going, you might be able to do that soon. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> but that, I mean, so because we're we're a, a slightly. Uh, elongated time at the moment um we're gonna cut this one a little short so what what are your opinions on the the vivian campbell uh matt um i quite like the finish i'm not normally yeah. 
uh, play Maple Top guy, really, but it's I think it works quite well with the, the Silver Burst, E-Style, yeah. whatever they're calling it, because it almost looks like the burst is kind of leaking in through the flames rather than it just being a, a one colour with the w- wiggles through it like it normally does. <laughs> one colour with um, the wiggles through <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, it looks like black around the side and then a colour with the wiggles through in the middle. That's how I describe Flame Maple Tops to people. <laughs> that, yeah, it's 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 definitely a way of describing it. But yeah, um, I, I quite like the finish. Um, yeah. I like that it's a satin finish as well. I I, I far prefer satin finishes to gloss finishes, um, but that's just personal preference. But it's a very expensive custom shop guitar, and if I was going to drop that kind of cash on a guitar, I wouldn't pick yeah. this. Yeah. Um, how much is it, Matt? It's just humorous. Uh, would you like his signature on it, or would you like his signature not on it? Um, which one's cheaper? Uh, without his signature, is cheaper. It's it's only five thousand US dollars without his signature. But if you want him to take a sharpie to the back of it, it's six thousand US dollars. Oh, wicked! Yeah, cool. A thousand pounds for a signature. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Collector's item, isn't it? Um, yeah. The thing that baffles me is Vivian Campbell. You you hadn't heard of him. I nope. I had no of him. Um, however, I I don't know his career all that extensively. I, like, didn't know he was in White Snake. Just did not know. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. Who who is this? Who is this for? Who is who's going to be buying a Vivian Campbell signature in two thousand and eighteen? Who were um, who were those fans? Sixty year old, sixty year old peoples who've just drawn down their entire pension and have realised that they've got a bit of money that they could probably throw at a guitar. Yeah, in which case they're probably not going to be asking for the ridiculously high output pickups, are they? And uh, no, who knows? It's fine. You can just take take them out and replace them. It's fine. It's only a six grand guitar. The only yeah, <laughs> disposable they are. Just throw them away. Um, yeah but Gibson have done something else this week as well haven't they so they have um, they've got their new year Chinese new year guitar with a dog on it yeah it's a Um, red it's got weird inlays as well hasn't it it's like like gold coins or something uh, let me just let this bloody load because I looked at it. But the only thing I remember is that it doesn't even look like a normal dog on the back, on, like behind the. No, it's some reach. It's a very weird shaped dog. Yeah, it's like weird and spindly, isn't it? It's like almost fox terrier, but with longer legs, maybe like um, greyhound esque. I don't know. Yeah, and then it's got Chinese symbols as the as the inlays above the twelfth. So from uh, year three, five, seven, and nine are Chinese yeah. symbols. Can't tell what the twelfth fret one is. I think it might be four symbols on top of each other, and then there's a gold coin around the. I'm going to say seventeenth fret, but it covers like four frets. Yeah, that really important fret, seven, seventeen. <laughs> um, and that's a, a very pricey instrument as well, isn't it? It is. It's six 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 nine. That's uh, almost Ouch. the price of the devil. There, isn't it? Um, yeah. 
And Ouch! No, I just. What's the point? Who? Who's? Who's buying a Chibson? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think in in the comment sections of the of like the um the Facebook posts and stuff, people are going, "Oh, Gibson are finally ripping off the uh, the the Chinese manufacturer's back." Um, <laughs> which yes, ultimately hilarious. But yeah, I mean, I, I assume it's for like um, a, a very well-to-do. Chinese collectors. Um, I don't think it has yeah. much appeal outside of that. Um, it's pricey. I don't think it's meant to have mass appeal. Um, and it, def- it definitely doesn't. I, I don't think I'd want to play it. But it's got a brass pick guard. Of course it does. Of course. <laughs> that well-known feature from all... Les Pauls that everybody wants. That's it. The, it the breath adds that really zingy tone to the. Oh, I'm not even gonna. <laughs> I'm not even gonna give it give it the time. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's silly. I think. Yeah, this is yeah. where we need to hit Gibson on the nose. And say bad Gibson, bad bad Gibson. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this isn't. It's not going to turn into a Gibson bash, but yeah. Um. Vivian Campbell, Les Paul. Yeah. It seems fine. Um, it looks alright. Not really my style. I don't I don't like Silverburst things too too often. Um and the the Chinese New Year Gibson Les Paul. Uh, again. Not mass appeal. Um I I must admit I saw um saw a post of some of the two thousand eighteen um I think it was the SGs. Um and I I didn't wince at them, so they're growing on me. Yeah, and like I say, um, I've played a 2018 Les Paul standard when it, I was at Peach back in November, and they're cracking guitars. They're better than some of the standards. I've certainly I've played a 2013 standard and a 2018 standard. Yeah, and if I could pick between the two, I would pick the 2018. But obviously, I don't have that kind of catch and they have gone up slightly in price since then. Yeah. Um, just, you've just reminded me actually mentioning, um, mentioning Peach, um, because we're, we're coming up to the end of our podcast, but this is something that I I feel really, really strongly about. And in our guitar community, we've, uh, we've seen like a, a huge whip around this, this subject. So, um, the, the past week, I think it was around kind of Tuesday time, um Peach put an announcement on their um on their Facebook page that an eleven thousand pounds PRS private stock guitar had been stolen from their shop. Uh they shared uh video footage of it happening. Um and it's all it's almost heartbreaking when you see how like wonderful and welcoming the the guys at Peach are to these two um just bastards of people absolute scum yeah. like in the video the 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 guy comes and opens the door for for one of them and like welcomes them in um they have a look around they notice a guitar with a, a rather large uh, price tag on the um on the ticket and in in a, um, a a specially designed coat with a a pocket 
a large kind of pocket on the inside of it. They they steal uh, this eleven thousand pounds private stock BRS, um, and then they have a mosey around the store and and leave. And again, the bloke greets them. I assume wishes them well and and opens the door for them to to give that customer service and it's just it's so so just devastating it is it's just it's just the the way that they are welcomed into the store they like I've, I've been to peach the guys will come up to you they'll even if they've never met you before come over have a conversation what are you looking to do today are you just having to browse this is the kind of thing that we are point you in the right direction if you say yeah you know, I, I, I want to go and have a look at something that's in the five to seven thousand pound bracket. They'll go right upstairs. You've got the custom shop vendor. There's custom custom shop Gibsons and the Sirs. Go and have a look at that. Yeah, they'll give you a cup of coffee if you want a cup of coffee. It's it's a really warm, friendly atmosphere. And for somebody to go into there and treat them the way that those those scumbags treated them, of just get them away, get their staff members away as quickly as possible without being rude, so that they could sneak upstairs find the most expensive guitar they can, break it off the wall. He's, he's clearly got the technique down because he touches the guitar and within seconds he's broken out of the, the locking wall hanger that they've got the guitar on yeah. and it's slid straight into her pocket. It's, they're clearly hardened criminals that do this on a regular basis. Yeah, Slide it into the pocket of that trench coat, close it down, and as they come down the stairs, they bump into another staff member who says, oh, I hope you've had a... Or, is, is saying something along the lines of I hope, hope you've had a good experience if you need anything you know let us know opens the door for them on the way out yeah and they just walk past like nothing's wrong it's just disgusting yeah uh, completely um and this uh I mean if if you want to kind of um see see what happened and, and you want to share that and make sure that people are aware there are loads of people online sharing. It's in the gear exchanges. It's in, in all of the uh, um, in the guitar groups online. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if it was shared in ours yet. Um, it's definitely something that will be. Um, what, what I'm almost begging is that as a guitar community, we don't let these people win. They, they need to be found, number one. That, I think that, is in uh, in our power as as a kind of community of people. Um, we do what we can. We raise awareness. We share. We make sure that this guitar cannot be sold. Yeah, um, and it's it's they they on some of the like um, in the gear exchange. I know um, Lee Anderton or somebody from Andertons had posted that they'd been caught. They or they'd been caught on video stealing from at the Anderton store as well. Yep. There's rumours going around that they've been caught, they've been seen on CCTV stealing other instruments as well, saxophones and all sorts. So they're, yeah. they're clearly people who are going out and know what they know exactly what they're doing. Whether they're stealing to order, I don't know, but there's no yeah. way that if, if this, certainly that PRS is so distinctive, the flame on that 11 grand PRS Yes. If you saw that come up on the gear exchange, or if you saw that in person, you'd know straight away that the, what that guitar was. Yes. And in the Peach video, I urge anybody, so, so even if you aren't part of any of these forms, seek out Peach on Facebook. 
just have a look. They tell you the serial number of the guitar. Yeah. They also tell you what, because it's part of a special run as well. There's other signatures on the back of the headstock. Yeah. It, it's a guitar that you, you cannot mistake for anything else. If yeah. you get a whiff about this guitar, report it to the police immediately. Just make sure yeah. that these people have a, a worthless instrument and they've, they've wasted their time with this horrible, horrible thing that they've done. So at least they're punished in that way. Hopefully yeah. we can get them caught because they need to be they would they need to be taken off the streets because this this is just a disgusting act of humanity this is the the worst possible thing you could do to a to a guitar store is yeah something along those lines um and what i would like to uh, propose to um to people who want to keep guitar stores a friendly environment and a place that you want to go because if people like this see that this is an option, that this is an opportunity, then guitar stores will will have no um, no other option but to clamp down on security and make everything so um, so difficult that it makes the whole guitar store experience um, less enjoyable. So, yeah, f- for for myself, the uh, the solution lies with all of us. Um, and if you are in a guitar shop, be vigilant, look, uh, look around and, and try and be aware of people who are in the guitar shop. Um, and if there is anyone acting suspicious, do your little bit, keep your eye on some people. Um, cause if, if you catch someone doing something, then you're making you're making this um, social media outcry. Um, it it's unneeded because you'll have you'll have caught them in the moment. You'll have prevented that from happening at the source. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think uh, for me, if we can band together as a community. To make this uh, so that the criminals see that we are uh, a brotherhood, a sisterhood of like-minded people who won't let it happen in our, um, not on our turf, not to our places, to our stomping grounds. It's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, no, totally agreed. Just, it, and if you do see something that looks dodgy and you don't, or you haven't got time to stick around, mention it to some, mention it to the staff. Yeah, to say keep an eye on that guy. I'm not sure what he's up to. Yeah, and it may come down, and it, and it may be nothing, and he might be, you know, just a bit of a. That's the way his body language is. Yeah, whatever it may be, but as long as there's some like. If you get an inkling about somebody, we'd rather everybody will have a better experience if we clamp down on this and stop it from ever happening again. Yeah. You will have a far better because otherwise it's going to come down to instead of guitars being on the wall with plastic locks, they're going to be either in cases or yeah. they're going to be locked behind glass shutters, or you're going yeah. to have to speak to people to even kind of look around the guitar rather than just you know oh, I need to, I want to take it off the wall. You won't be able to feel the the fretboard like feel the neck 
radius or anything. You, you wouldn't be able to do anything without having to speak to somebody. It'll make guitar shops feel like a more hostile place and everywhere will have to do it because if this thing, if this continues to happen, yeah, shops are going to have to put things in place and it's going to make you let, it's going to make the, the experience of going to a, in a guitar shop less enjoyable. And that's yeah. a detriment to everybody, including the guitar shop. They're going to see a reduction in sales because people aren't going to enjoy the, the, the thing so much you're gonna not enjoy going to guitar shops as much and it should be shopping for a guitar should be a great experience yes uh, exactly and these people are, are going to ruin that yeah unfortunately you, you have to um cater for the the, the bottom denominator don't you the lowest possible yeah. denominator uh and if these people are allowed to um to thrive on on the uh, the goodwill of our guitar shops, then that goodwill will diminish. As yeah. simple as that. Um, the fact that they've managed to steal a an eleven grand guitar as well is is ridiculous. Um, but hopefully, with the the way that we're banding around this, it will make that piece of property so hot that it's they are unable to shift it. Um, yeah. And I think that's where we're gonna we're gonna end it on quite a serious note this week. Um, but it's something that we I mean you can hear us we're we're passionate about this. Um, very very much so because oh, I've had so many great experiences in guitar shops. Um, and something that I'm I'm planning on doing is actually going going to Peach because I've I've heard how um, just how warm and welcoming and how how much of a brilliant environment it is um and I, i'm still planning on going to beach at some point um to experience that uh and i hope that when i do get to beach it is still that warm and welcoming environment where um that the people have told me about and that they haven't had to uh change their their ethos um because of some low life bottom of the barrel people yeah um but yeah. anyway um so that that's where we're going to end it today um if you want to find me uh, on tinterwebs you go facebook.com slash budget pale chap instagram.com slash budget pale chap you go on the Fret Talk group, which is um, Fret Talk podcast Fret. under yeah under um, Facebook groups. If you want to see and hear from Matt, Matt has got a new podcast. And what is that podcast called, Matt? It has a name this week, so it's the Brad Booker's podcast, and it is about wrestling. Um, and I'm sure most of you don't care, but for anybody that does, um, at the moment it's only on YouTube. We are in the process of getting it on. Acast and Stitcher and long term we will get it on iTunes but there is a whole rigmarole around that yeah I, I'm sure um, I can give you a little bit of a hand if you need uh, need some info on that because um, I've, <laughs> yeah, um, I've been doing this a while now Matt <laughs> yeah um, one of the other guys just had a podcast in the past that oh, got it? to YouTube but that's like five so it got to iTunes but that was about five years ago so yeah. somebody who's had a bit more recent thing I, I might need to send you a message after this but yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. and um, if you want to get in touch with like 
um, me, it's either I, uh, facebook.com slash switch IOM or at Manx Chelsea on Twitter. Um, at the moment, oh no, actually, that's all going to I was going to say there's some Twitter polls about our other podcast as to whether I do a forfeit or not, but they'll have closed by the time this gets released. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's not. Yeah, keep be any watching help that if you want to make Matt do something stupid. Because, <laughs> yeah. It's all good yeah. Um, but at the moment, I am winning on the poll of who gets to do the forfeit because we all we did some predictions for a pay-per-view everybody got the same amount of matches correct so we've put it out to twitter to who's going to do the the forfeit and at the moment um as of an hour ago when i last looked at it i was on 50 percent, and the next nearest person was on 15 percent. oh i think i might uh, uh might have to join in on that one try and get you the forfeit <laughs> matt so yeah um, so yeah, it's um, at Manx Chelsea on Twitter, um, and from there you'll see my retweets of the the polls. Try asking for help. Um, hopefully, I, I did tweet a big YouTuber, and hopefully he shared it to make one of his old former teaching colleagues, who also is on the cast with me. Um, hopefully, we're going to get him to do it, but I don't know whether whether people will get behind Kev or not. But if they do, then I won't have to do it because he'll they'll just he'll just say, "Please vote for Smoothman to his five thousand twitter followers and that'll get me saved so i'm kind of crossing my fingers that that happens but i don't know cool um and if you do listen to the fret talk podcast and want to make matt do something stupid um yeah yeah <laughs> that's that's where you do it yeah um and i, I feel uh, almost duty bound to to give moog a little shout out this week because we've mentioned him so much um so i believe it's facebook.com slash rapscallion um or Rapscallion Band. I, I can never remember. I think it's in the show notes, but don't quote me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Rapscallion, it's it's chap rock. Very, it is. Very it's British. It's, it's, it, it is. It's, it's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's been us for tonight. It's been mostly lighthearted fun and a bit of finger-wagging at naughty, naughty people. Um <laughs> And we've still got like a good half a podcast left to do. Um, so that'll, that'll have to wait for next week anyway. I'm going to see... Bonus Patreon. <laughs> no, this, <laughs> this podcast is free. And it will be as free <laughs> as long as I can keep it free. I love free things. And I, I love you guys. Yeah, I'm with you. So, Fret Talk out. Tatty bye. Tatty bye. Possibly the best outro we've ever done.